Welcome back, everybody, to Ancient Anime, your hopefully favorite podcast. I'm going to keep saying that until it is. So for your own sanity, you might want to just go ahead and make this your favorite podcast. We can be more general, though. It can be your favorite podcast about old, classic anime. You know the drill. We watch something older. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be super old, but, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And we see if it is a good piece of media or if people are just really nostalgic about it. People being me and usually my guest. Today, I have somebody very special with me. Um, just as a little, little bit of a peek through this was actually supposed to be a season one episode things went a little haywire with my health um we've talked about that on the podcast plenty of times before so i won't go into that again but essentially we had to end season one very early and we never got around to recording this episode so you might hear a little bit of confusing timeline references when we're just dis discussing the movie and our plans and everything throughout this episode. So don't get confused. But anyway, I have one of my oldest friends today with me, Lori. Say hello. Hello. She and I have been friends for over 10 years now. Uh, around 15. Yeah, because it basically, and it, it's bizarre because we lived very close together, but mm -hmm. we didn't become friends until I moved away, really. Like, we had met a couple of times and we knew who each other was, but we never became friends until I moved away. And then I moved back, and then I moved away again. Complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Complicated. But basically, we've been friends forever. Um, we play a lot of Xbox together. Mm -hmm. It's been mostly Fortnite, but it used to be... It started off with Gears of War. That was our big game, and then we migrated. Oh, God, to yeah. Gears of War was so... Gears of War, Overwatch. I miss, I miss Fortnite. We're going back to Overwatch soon uh, with Overwatch 2. So I'm looking forward to that, mostly. Uh, I'm still very ragey when it comes to Overwatch. I don't know why I take it seriously. It's stupid. <laughs> so fun, though. I, I it just... is fun. And I, I am looking forward to playing Junker Queen and my new Orisa, even though they have just butchered her. Um, yeah. I'm also so, looking I... forward to Kikoro because she looks like Genji with healing powers. So that should be interesting. And, and this episode, by the time this episode's out, the game will already be out. We're actually recording this, what, like two days first... before? First week of October, essentially. Yeah. And, um, and unfortunately, because Halloween is coming up, uh, this episode's going to be coming out a little bit later. So, uh, again, the timeline's a little bit wonky. We're still getting used to the bi-weekly format. Like, I, I still have that intense that. urge to post stuff on, on Tuesdays. And it's like, wait, no, not only did we move to Monday, but it's every other Monday. So, a lot of these episodes... That's kind of why I'm glad that this isn't, like, a news show, because some of these episodes have quite a delay before they get to go out, just because a combination of the bi-weekly format and the fact that we have holidays, and I want to be timely with those as well. I like uh, the bi-weekly format, though. A lot of my favorite podcasts are bi-weekly, so you're you're not losing anything by going bi-weekly. Uh, one that I listen to called Dungeons & Daddies a dandy podcast it's really good get up if you haven't season one was amazing season two is getting there uh it it's bi-weekly and so it, it's it's the anticipation that i get from the bi-weekly that's good for me so it's it's so much less stress all around uh i've mm -hmm. said it a hundred a hundred times at least by now both on the podcast and to my friends but having a bi-weekly format makes it to where i can watch more stuff 
Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't that sounds kind of weird because I'm not putting out as many episodes, but we can watch longer form content like 13 episode TV shows, 26 mm-hmm. episode TV shows, a series of movies. That's what I I just did with Rika. Um I'm um, so excited that you said TV shows because I'm hoping this will get spun off into doing the TV shows. Uh, can we talk about what we're what we're going to be talking about now? <laughs> oh, I, we're going to be I talking about I wanted my... to give you some time to introduce yourself, though, because I, I said I your name, but... I, I will. I'll, I'll give some more background. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite anime movies of all time, Ghost in the Shell. Not the cr- cringy, creepy live-action version, the original one from 1995. Probably one of the greatest science fiction movies ever made. Uh, it, it, well, at least animated ones. Some There's some science fiction movies that might top it as live-action, but... One of the greatest science fiction animes ever made. Uh, it's so, just so iconic, too. Like, <sighs> I never watched it. I'd always meant to watch it. There's a little bit of a convoluted story as to why I've never watched it. But it was always, it, it inspires everything. Like, I feel like everything in the world of anime. This show is essentially Rory's backdoor into hopefully getting on here more so you can watch more things that I love. <laughs> I, we've been friends for 15 years and we do not watch the same stuff we really Other don't than I, well in Sailor Steven Man. Universe Steven Universe you talked me into that though. so as far as my background in animation and anime I'm uh, I'm basically middle aged uh, I have been watching if you technically count the old stuff that was shipped over Transformers stuff like that I've watched all that when I was a kid but the first true anime I remember seeing and knowing what it was was Sailor Moon, which is kind of how we got on as we're both mm-hmm. Sailor Moon fans. You're 100% way bigger Sailor Moon fan than I am, but I'm a Sailor Moon fan enough to know. Um, like, I don't remember if I caught it during the first or second run when it came to the U.S. I just remember it being a summer I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and saw this cute cartoon and I got up at 7 a.m. Monday through Friday every week that summer and watched Sailor Moon. And my mother was like, why are you up? It's summer break. What are you doing? I'm like, I got to watch this cartoon. And I legit cried at the end. Legit. (laughs) I was... I was like a young teenager crying about the ending of Sailor Moon season one. Like That must have been the first airing of it because uh, the second run, it was on Toonami and it was in the afternoon. Yeah, that's when so it I, must have been the first airing. Because I, I knew what it was, or I, I knew that it existed, I guess I should say, before it started airing on Toonami because you would go in the toy aisles and you would see like the, the play sets and stuff that they had, mm-hmm. but I'd never seen it until it went on Toonami because. Yeah. I so this had to be the first one. I'd never seen any of the toys before. I think it was like the summer after my seventh or eighth grade. Like I was legit in middle school, junior high when I saw it. So I'm probably one of the oldest people you've had on here, sadly. It's not, it's not that I, I mean, I I love anime in general. I'm kind of a, a snob when it comes to anime. I say that because I don't like everything. Uh, my husband, on the other hand, will go down an entire genre and watch everyone. Um, he and I differ in how we choose to handle anime. 
Uh, I'm going to start blaspheming. Uh, I don't like Dragon Ball. I don't like Dragon Ball Z. I don't like Gundam. Uh, I, I, they never appealed favorite, to me. <laughs> my favorite thing about you and your husband, though, is that, like, just randomly out of the blue, you're like, oh, we're going to the movies. And I'm like, what are you seeing? And you go, we're going to see the My Hero Academia movie. And I, I've never I'm, seen an episode. Yeah, I've seen all the I, movies. That's what I'm like. I'm like, have you watched the episodes? You're like, no, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll catch I'll on. I'll figure it out. <laughs> they, they, the anime movies, when they're standalone, they always give you backstory. It's fine. I have seen all three of the ones that have come out in the US. I, I just I, every time because yeah. I, I you'll go see you'll go see like a, a random anime movie and I'll be I'll just be like, I didn't know you liked that. And you're like, oh I don't. I'm just going. <laughs> My husband wants to go. Uh I have seen the last One Piece movie that came out. We we bought that. I've watched it. I'm not a big fan of One Piece. Um, it's it's warming up to me though. We talk about it. He reads the manga religiously. Like every time a chapter gets translated, he is reading it. Like I I get a lot of my anime by proxy, because my husband will start a new one when he's at work. He will text me an entire synopsis of that anime. I know a lot more anime than I thought I did. I've watched, uh, by proxy, I've watched Black Clover because he's had it on while I'm doing something else and I've watched it. Uh, there's a couple others. Uh, and he'll watch stuff on his phone or his computer uh, while he's playing uh, uh, Final Fantasy XIV on his computer while I'm playing Xbox. And so I've, by proxy, get in a lot of that stuff. Um, no wonder you I, guys needed the super fast internet. He's playing Final Fantasy, you're playing Fortnite, and he's streaming anime. <laughs> like, of yeah, course, yeah, or King of, of the Hill. We do a lot of anime. King of the Hill. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm glad you've expanded to television shows because I'm super hoping that I can drag you into, after we get done with this, watching Ghost in the Shell standalone conflicts, which I believe is a great expansion into this world. Now, uh, it, I have the movies. The the mm-hmm. movies are a retelling of the TV show or edited. Yeah, show, is that right? The movies are kind of a lengthened retelling of some of the the key uh, the key plot points, like the Laughing Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if you, I don't want to talk about the live action version, but there's <laughs> the live action version that are taken from standalone complex. Because I always think about the geisha, the robot geisha. She's not in this movie that no, everyone that we've seen. She's actually from Standalone Complex. Um, I, when did Standalone Complex come out? Because another one of my favorites... I was in college, so right, uh, sometime after 2001. Uh, um, one of my favorite so... movies has a robot geisha in it too. And I'm wondering who did it first. Because Cutie Honey, the movie, came out in 2004 and i'm almost positive that the geisha from that movie was an original to the movie and not part of the anime because i've never i'd never seen her before so i, I have wonder to google and say which ones come out first i wonder who um, copied who because that's maybe a really it was when specific... i was in high school i don't i'm not sure but it was close to 2000 i i'm pretty sure i was watching it either when i was at the end of high school or when i was in the beginning of college Mm-hmm. So I came to Ghost in the Shell mostly as an adult. I'd already seen other things. I'd seen Princess Mononoke. Um, I've seen Sailor Moon. I'd seen at least one of the Sailor Moon movies. I don't remember which one. I, I've not seen them all. Like, I'm a fan of Sailor Moon, but I've not actually seen all of it because I'm older. And like you had talked about before in other other episodes, because I do listen, uh, 
getting stuff in the early, you know, late nineties, early two thousands was absolutely difficult. You you had yeah. you had no where we lived. You have no access. Internet was slow as shit. Like still, it's still where I live. Internet is slow as shit. <laughs> I just got fast internet like two weeks ago where I can download something in a couple hours and actually play it instead of, you know, three days. Uh, and, and it was companies back then weren't really keen on getting TV shows either. As no, much, it was too much. Longer too much data. So we, we had a lot data. of. We had a lot of the movies and we had a lot of the OVAs for stuff, but not necessarily the TV shows. So, like, not being able to consume all of the media makes sense for, like, 90s kids. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. with Crunchyroll and some other streaming services, you have subtitles today, sometimes an hour later. Sometimes you've got a dub the same day. If we didn't have a subscription to Crunchyroll, I think my husband would die. Like, I- I'm telling you, he's watched, he picks a genre and just goes down the list. He loves isekais, and I'm just like, I'm not a fan. I'm glad you enjoy them, but I'm not a fan. Yeah, the that's one of those trends right now that I'm ready for it to kind of... He loves them. He absolutely out. loves them. So and, and the ridiculously long names for shows, too. Okay. Um, uh, the novelty is run off for me. So I want to describe why I like Ghost in the Show and why I have consciously demanded that you watch this movie and it's taken me 15 years to get you to watch it. Uh, I am a huge fan of cyberpunk and modern fantasy. Anything that involves stuff that's, you know, Star Trek, stuff like that, stuff that's new, stuff that could happen, but we don't have the amount the technology to do it yet. Um, I like the worlds where humans can become more than human. And I really feel like, because the the manga that this is based off is much older than the movie. I think late 80s. I have to look in my notes. Uh, but it's it's a world where I think it set the standard for the cyberpunk genre. And I think a lot of shows and video games have to try to live up to what Ghost said. Um Cyberpunk 2077. I've played it and I can't remember. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is probably a really good uh, amalgam of a lot of the ideas that Ghost in the Shelf put in shell put into the ether. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the ghost and, and hacking humans things. I, I'm also a really big fan of strong female leads, and Major Kusanagi is a great example of female protagonist. She's not over emotional. She's just happens to be a woman and she's doing her job. It's like, I hated that Usagi was always crying. I always forget she's like 12. But I hated that every time something would happen, she would cry. And I'm just like... One of the the nuances of Sailor Moon, because you're the the character is supposed to grow up with you, so you're supposed to start watching it when you're her age and more relatable. And by the end of the show, in the last season, she's in high school and she's much more mature. Um, Not to get too off topic, but there's like, she she just matures so incredibly much throughout the show. She's so goofy, but she's not a crybaby anymore. In the last season, there's one scene that I just, I love and I talk about it all the time. I'm you probably heard me talk about it because you do listen to the show, which I super appreciate. I, I listen um, to you when you speak. But, and don't tune you out. 
there's there's a there's a scene in the in the final season where this girl um gives Usagi a love letter and just professor love and the typical reaction to that that we see in the west and even in anime sometimes is the characters being like oh i don't like girls ew gross but Usagi responds instead by saying and i'm paraphrasing cuz it's been a bit since i've seen it but she says I'm sorry, I'm in love with somebody else, but I would love to get to know you and be your friend. And she had just come so far, and I that that was pretty close to the end of the show, and I just feel like that was the the moment in my mind when people talk about her whining, it's like the first episode comes to mind. You know, she falls to her, her knees and cries in the supersonic like the wave. Monster, yeah. yeah, not when the monster comes out, she just starts crying. Yeah, yeah it, but then you contrast that to the end of the show where she's really grown up and realized that she needs to take on the responsibility to save the future is is really good. So she gets there, she gets to become that strong female yeah. lead, but the major just steps out of the gate being a badass. Yeah, she does. But she's, she's I, I noticed that she's actually characterized more like a male character than she is a female character. She she gives off. I hate to generalize masculine and feminine, but if you look at the idea of masculine and feminine, she's treated like a male character would be. She's always taken seriously. She's never sexualized, even though she's shown naked through, I think like 60% of the movie, she's naked. <laughs> uh, and I, that that's, there's a plot point there. She has a kind of camouflage that is in the skin of her cybernetic body. Uh, thermoactive camouflage, I believe it's called. She can turn invisible to, to the human eye or to most eyes. And so that's integrated into her. And so she just rips off her clothes and just runs around naked. But none of her compatriots, none of the people who work with her sexualize her. She is always the major. Uh, she's always given respect she deserves. And that's what I really enjoy about it as a, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't classify myself, classify myself as like a militant feminist, but I am very much a feminist. I am always like wanting to empower women, whether it be my trans sisters, my, you know, non-binary people who have feminine, it's hard for me to describe, I'm middle-aged, give me <laughs> a break, you know what I mean? I mean, just in general, the idea of someone who feels like they are a woman, I want to empower them, and that's like... I have this weird feminist vibe from when I was a child born in the 80s who grew up in the 90s. So, you know. Well, it, it's funny that you, you mentioned trans and, like, trans women. Mm. Sometimes trans women have deeper voices because they're, people are at very different stages of their transitioning. Um, and I'm not calling this character from the show trans because that's they didn't present it in that way at all. But mm -hmm. I think that just the the mindset that they were going for everybody is not just major Kusanagi isn't sexualized, not just her, but all women are kind of treated better in the future because there's a point in the movie, it's fairly late into the movie, and we'll we'll kind of get there, but I just I wanted to mention this while I was thinking of it, is there's a an android that is like half decapitated and of course her tits are out <laughs> because it's this it's movie Japanese animation it's yeah, so that's what it is it's Japanese animation but, everybody but, likes to be naked and or at least all the women like to be naked in, in anime 
there's, but there's no like so so she's just she's sitting there tits out there's no sexual comments made about her and then when she starts speaking she has this deep male presenting voice because it is like a shell that the main villain has kind of created for himself and become trapped in and he is male presenting at least they refer to him with male pronouns for most mm -hmm. of the film and nobody bats an eye at that either, because I feel like the what they're trying to present in this movie is that people have kind of moved past a lot of the base human. Because the world that this is set in, a lot of humans have augmentation. Some people to the point to where they're not even considered human anymore. Like well, and that that, that picks up a, a thing that I noticed in the the actual standalone complex animation. Um, there are hints in the standalone complex animation that. Kutsunagi is a guy in a female shell. She neither confirms nor denies this. I think she likes to let people believe that maybe she was a guy. How do you know? She's in a female body. You better listen to what the hell she says. And she uh, says she her, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there there I can't remember what episode. I, I've watched all of Standalone Complex. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I've watched it several times. Um so I may be misremembering it, but I do remember a part where her and Bateau, which is basically her her, her right-hand man, her lieutenant, Bateau uh, infers that maybe she's not female to one of their subordinates. I think is a joke, um, <laughs> but it's it's the idea that you could be whatever you want to be because it's cybernetics. Your ghost, which is your who you are is imprinted into a, a cybernetic shell, which is where the name comes from, Ghost in the Shell. Um, so let's let's talk about the movie in general. Uh, well, it, it also is a place with like the ghost of the machine. Yeah, I think that's also where they were, where he was going with it. Because um, the, the ghost is like there is, because they, it, so it's, this is set in the future. Uh, and... The future of 2029. <laughs> So far away, unbelievably the far away. The future of okay. Now let me remind you: this was written in a manga that was released from 1989 to 1990. I know, but I, I it's did, still, I found it's still... it in my notes. Uh, <laughs> it's like Back to the Future, <laughs> 30 years later, <laughs> 2015. Um, uh, yeah, so this is the future of 2029. That is where we are right now. Um, it honestly, I. Some of it is very similar to now, even though it's not to the extent. Um, and like I said, Standalone Complex hits on some of this stuff hard and it's great. Um, you can be whoever you want to be because you are you, but it's your shell, your outward appearance that gives you what everyone else thinks. Of. Mm -hmm. Same with online now. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that aesthetically not a whole lot has changed in the world which i think is something that this movie does well because a lot of cyberpunk and futuristic stuff in general will try and hype up the future like there's all these brand new skyscrapers and floating cars and you know, like power lines flailing everywhere and just neon bright signs but this world right looks pretty much like how our world looks today. It's just mm -hmm. that the technology like it has increased and changed. So it, the it, the world isn't going to drastically change because even back then when this when this came out, 
it was what like 30 to 40 years away before we got to they got to the 2029 year yeah even then like 40 years 30 even even then i think they realized that the world doesn't change that drastically in 40 years we i mean it's it's comical to look back at like an iphone 3 with my (laughs) iphone 12 or whatever one i have now and see how different they are but they're still essentially the same thing like the aesthetics for the most part haven't changed all that much it's just what it can do is change and i think you notice there that's what i really like about this world there weren't a lot of flying cars or anything like that it was all the cars had tires but they were still driving forward yeah but and it's and that's another thing is we saw a lot of slums and stuff like that too. A lot of futuristic yeah. things make it seem like poor people just stop existing. But mm-hmm. we just because the technology is increasing, there's still third world countries out there mm-hmm. that that look nothing like if you were to go to like New York City or something like that today. Mm-hmm. That are, are... So this is supposed to be set in Japan. Um, the creator, I believe, what is his name? His name is uh, uh, Masamune Shiro. I guess is how you pronounce it. He based the area of, of where they are. I think it's it maybe where they're stationed is Tokyo. Um, it's supposed to be based on Hong Kong and how it looks. There's a, a a slum there that was just a walled city of like just mm-hmm. corridors and things. And he based they based the look of of where they are on that. So it's it's kind of meant to represent a little bit of everywhere because they also talk to Americans. There's an American scientist uh, who is voiced by what's his name, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad who's in Power Rangers. Uh, so there's Link there. Uh, what's his name? I I'm really bad. Ryan Cranston. Ryan Cranston. I think so. Voices the scientist. That comes from America with the giant weird wiry fingers. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. About... <laughs> yeah, that's Brian Cranston. I oh, wow. saw that pop up because I was watching it on Amazon Video because that's where I got it. Yeah, the city uh, you were thinking of is Kowloon. I've I've Kowloon. seen a few, a few documentaries on yeah. that. Like I have it seen was, one too. It was the most like densely populated place on mm-hmm. the planet. People so, were just building so, on top of each other. Yeah. So the background of of this story is set in a city built like that. I've seen a really good documentary on it. It was interesting. Lots of neat pictures. Um, It was, it was something. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a museum now. I think they've trashed a bunch of it, torn it down. Uh, But there's still a section that's a museum. I think I remember reading that. Uh, So this movie, I just want to, kind of set up the the setting so we we can get because i've listened to you guys before and i get totally lost and don't know what you're talking about so i want (laughs) to summarize the movie just so people aren't going what are they talking about this movie was released in 1996 uh it it didn't actually come to the united states until 98 so that's probably when i saw it it's 98 2000 um the interesting one of the interesting about it about things about it is it uses cell animation animation and cg animation and i love that traditional cell animation is one of my favorite it's like almost a lost art anymore since disney stopped making movies with traditional animation um i love old cartoons like that um and another thing that i should not mention is that it was originally considered a huge failure it failed completely and it only got to the status it is now because of VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then so this is said like we said before in 2029 in japan uh it is uh based around an elite squad called section nine who go down this rabbit hole of trying to follow something called the puppet master uh, an elite entity who is hacking into things and committing terrorist acts and doing something called ghost hacking rewriting civilian memories uh to the point where they cannot be recovered so now in the far future where you can live inside a, a computer brain if you get your brain hacked you lose all your memories and i can't fix it yeah that was that's, i think that was my favorite scary. part of the movie because they have scary they have a very explicit part of the movie where mm -hmm. that happens mm -hmm. with the, the trash man mm -hmm. and basically because basically he's he thinks that he has a wife and kids and they got divorced and he's trying to get back or his wife left him and he's trying to get back with his wife so that he can be near his kid again mm -hmm. and there's this awkward moment where he's trying to show his coworker a photo of her but the coworker doesn't want to look at it like he's just over his bullcrap because he's causing them to be late on their route because yeah because he's he's, he's, he's hacking. hacking he's using he's using phones along their garbage route to hack and what he he thinks he's doing is just hacking into his wife's brain to figure out right. what's going on he's actually hacking into the interpreter for a uh i can't remember who he is a very important government official who's doing some kind of talks with a country that's been made up the country that they talk about it's not even it's just been made up um so there's this background of there's a country that's ex ex let's have this revolution and a new regime change and the leader of the old regime has come in to seek asylum from japan and the delegates from i think that's section three or no it wasn't section three it was the uh foreign affairs office I think. it was foreign affairs office the the main offices that they have is the foreign affairs guy the section six which is the uh the guy that aramaki's always talking to he's the leader of section six and then section nine which aramaki is the head of section nine section nine is the elite squad of badass cybernetic folks <laughs> and they kind of operate outside of the law almost yeah because they they're the ones that get called in when these diplomatic community people need to go. And a yeah, lot of the time, I, I, they don't care how they go, meaning yeah. dead or alive. <laughs> I didn't realize when I watched, until I watched again today that she just outright murdered that man. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, that was who they were trying to capture. And she just outright shot him, murdered him. And and there's there's several scenes in this movie that are referenced in other movies not talking about the live action one i'm talking about other real movies uh, uh james cameron likes to say that avatar was inspired by ghost in the shell in general <laughs> there are several scenes in the matrix that are literal shot for shot remakes of ghost in the shell i can I, name two of them i think that ghost in the shell it, it the mangas came out around the same time, but I think specifically some of the animations, because they don't overuse it like Fist of the North Star does, but Ghost mm -hmm. of the Shell does have some very gruesome deaths. Oh, God, like, yeah, when that dude exploded when she yeah, shot him. Yeah, the guy's head exploding, which, is, yeah. which was made really popular by Fist of the North Star. I don't know if the author, like, invented that or whatever you want to call it. Well, she it used became... some kind of high-velocity or high 
explosive yeah, bullets. Yeah, but like the exploding graphic, exploding heads in anime—that's kind of where yeah. that trend started. And so I like, but but the tone of the film isn't like Fists of the North Star. It's like Fists mm-hmm. of the Star—you kind of go into it expecting some carnage. When that mm-hmm. guy's head exploded, I like reacted so viscerally. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I recoiled. I was like, "Oh God!" And it's not that I'm like a prude or grossed out by that kind of stuff. It's just that was very unexpected. Yeah, but, so that's like, like the the second scene she appears nude because she's nude in the opening credits, where they're basically making the body that mm-hmm. she's in, and she's also nude in that scene because well, that is her reactive camouflage, thermal active camouflage. My um, my main gripe is that like while she's not being sexualized in the movie by the characters she's obviously Mm. meant to be somewhat sexualized by the audience and the reason why i say that is she has these like really long stockings on yeah where i noticed that you would think that she would need to be completely naked which would make much more sense but i guess this if if they can make stockings that can do the same thing that her skin does why can't they make an outfit like well i'm wondering if they're part of her skin if it's not really stockings if it's actually her skin well, later in the movie, there's a guy that has straight up Harry Potter's cloak of invisibility. So, yeah, yeah. So literally, <laughs> all and then there's another part in the film where like she's got like this veil over her face, so they make clothes that turn invisible. <laughs> so what? So her being naked is completely pointless. Yeah, like, in, in the grander scheme of the story. Yeah. But but I also like I said I, I think it's meant to, um, kind of, what is it? Uh, desensitize you to sexualization because she's not fully human there's not a lot of kutsunagi that is actually human she has a few like her brain i think is what's left it goes deeper in standalone complex about her history she was roboticized i guess roboticized might be the word she became a cyborg as a child uh because she was ill she needed it to survive um and they talk about this because there's a lot of exposition disguised by briefings or so-and-so character has a question. Uh, Togusa is one of the uh, characters who gets a lot of exposition because he is almost completely human. He has one brain modification to allow for wireless communications. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the only modification he has. And he's meant to be our doorway into this world so like at the very beginning there's exposition from kutsunagi to togusa about the puppet master to explain the plot basically um and she explains why they're all different she's almost completely robotic bato has a lot of cybernetics as well togusa has none aramaki doesn't have any either than his Mm -hmm. own brain implant um and then there's uh, Ishikawa. I don't think he's fully cybernetic either, but he's got a lot too, which is another one of the guys. Um, and the team is really well rounded out. It's funny that you're providing all this explanation of the plot because the movie doesn't doesn't do that at all. Like we were talking before we started recording, and I had mentioned that again. This was this. Uh, recording was supposed to be part of season one and was supposed to be recorded like May, June time. And that's mm-hmm. when I initially watched the movie. Cause I had never seen the movie before today. We so were going to record it and my computer it. died that day. Yeah. You, her computer literally imploded. So it wasn't even my sickness, but I wouldn't have been able to edit it and get it out because yeah, I got it wouldn't have been done because you were in a hospital, but 
of the but, day we were going to do it, my computer died. But yeah, so we we had so I'd never seen this movie before, and this movie falls into that type of storytelling where they place you down in the middle and just start running. Mm-hmm. There's they don't stop and explain a whole lot about mm-hmm. the world itself. They do explain about, like you said, about the puppet master, about what their current mission is. They throw a lot of confusing terminology at you without explaining what it is, like you're supposed to know what it is. So well, my enjoyment of this movie was greatly enhanced by watching it a second time because mm-hmm. I was already familiar with the terminology. I don't know if other people are like this, but my brain when I hear something that confuses me, I hyper-focus on that. <laughs> and I, I want to know what they're talking about. What Like, what did that... He, they just said they hacked a ghost. And then they moved on like like nothing. They and talked about that later, though. It, I, I know, but I, I, I know, but I'm saying, like, in, in the context of that moment... Yeah, at that moment, you have no... no but my brain <laughs> wants me to understand. My brain wants to know what the hell they're talking about. So when I went back and watched it the second time... I had a much more positive experience mm-hmm. to seeing this the second time. And that is probably 100% just me being weird. And No, no. I, I, <laughs> I hadn't watched it for a long time the first time I rewatched it in May. And I couldn't remember a lot of it. And like I said, I, I, I was so deeply in the standalone complex that I kept thinking that I was for thinking of other things. And it... it it wasn't in the movie like the geisha girl. I, I forgot the, the geisha robot. I was like, is she not in this movie? No, that's standalone complex. I'm being stupid. Um and so my first time re-watching this, I hadn't remembered a lot of it, but the second time re-watching it, like I started re-watching it again Friday and today, and just it it came back and it was it, it is it is much more enjoyable when you watch it again because you know who these people are and it gives you uh the ability to focus on other more important things because you're not going what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah like like there's a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of exposition in this movie there is a it, as a writer one of the things i do i write for fun and then people are just like well you need to show not tell this movie tells a lot the, the thing is is that like it doesn't tell you things that you want to know it tells you like there's this extensive uh backstory into one of the diplomats that ends up not being important almost in any way like at all yeah and yeah, then the he one, dies yeah yeah <laughs> the one about the uh the guy who's coming over and wants uh asylum yeah, they spent so yeah. much time talking about his motives and his backstory. And meanwhile, I'm over here, like, Googling what is a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you some interesting Google results. It yielded very unsuccessful <laughs> results. I should narrow my search results a little well, bit. Well, if you, if you come from it from the point of view that Togusa, the human man, the human guy, is who you're supposed to be because he's new to the squad. He's not altered like like uh, Kusanagi or Bato. Um, he's he carries a, a six shooter revolver, and they make fun of him for that. But he loves his revolver. He doesn't want one of those super automatic weapons like they've got. He feels comfortable with it. And he sticks with it. I mean, he's he's fully human. He doesn't have cybernetic en- enhancements to let him shoot faster and, and better or whatever. Um. I so. Just, I- I wish that I could put into words 
what I'm trying to say because I I 100% agree with you because I like I love studying writing and different writing styles and different ways because one of my favorite anime of all time is Slayers and Slayers has this really rich world that they built up and they do sort of the same thing where they just kind of set you down in the world and they give you the expert in the room Lena who is kind of like Kusanagi and then they give you Gallery, who's kind of like Mister. I I don't like automatic weapons. And, but the difference so. is, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm bad with names. But the difference is is that I feel like in Slayers they're explaining to you pertinent things because Gallery is so stupid. Like the Claire Bible is like this big compilation of black magic spells. A lot of them are forbidden. It's been lost to time. Some people don't even think it's real, but they're, the characters are just talking back and forth. Claire Bible this, Claire Bible that, Claire Bible this. And then Gallery pops in and is like, what's the Claire Bible? And I wish that, yeah. that that guy had been like, what's a ghost? But that doesn't make sense because he wasn't stupid. Like he's he's not written yeah. to be stupid. So the exposition he provides isn't always necessary. The exposition that I need to understand what right. the fuck you didn't need it. You needed the ghost <laughs> stuff at that moment. Uh, well, I think it's meant as um, meant to leave you going, what? Because when they get on the boat, when they're diving, when, when she goes diving, because apparently a cyborg likes to go diving in the ocean in mm-hmm. her spare time, which Bato is just like, why? If your floaties don't work, you die. <laughs> she, she even asked her that. Um, well, I, she... I took that to be kind of like, that, that not to cut you off, but like that, that scene always, the past two times I've watched it have stuck out to me of her exploring can robots be depressed is this what depression is for cyborgs because she still technically has a human soul she's a human brain yeah she still has there are human brain cells even though she's highly modified she's still a human somewhere it, it felt like she was experiencing depression but not knowing how to not knowing what it right. was as because someone who's been there, a, a cyborg since she was a child. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was really interesting. But again, not knowing that she's been a cyborg since she was a child didn't make yeah. sense that she wouldn't understand what depression is. But having that, like, I feel like the more you watch of the show, going back, it makes more sense. Like, yeah. the, the creators of this had this massive universe that they created and only had an hour and a half to, to show you it. Well, and so they did a good job. It, it did, it did, but I'm I'm just saying it leaves a lot of questions just because of the amount of time that they had. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the more I watch the 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 paired shows with it, mm-hmm. the more I'll understand some of this stuff, especially based off of what you're saying. Yeah, they they did a good job trying to cram as much in there as they could to try to help you figure it out. And it's interesting, like I said, it it fits when they're. They're giving exposition because it's, oh, you're late. Let me tell you what's going on. You don't know about this. Let me tell you about the case file. They they fill it in that way. But I recognized, especially on my second watching today, was it's a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. Like this probably may have been better as, as a longer movie or two movies just to get some of that exposition out of the way. But you're supposed to know what those things are because you live in that world. So having that, having to explain it to you, they had to find spots to put it. And they did put it in further down the road, but you had to get there and not turn the movie off before you got to it. 
Which yeah, it, it, and this was yeah. a really common thing, especially in anime, but in mm-hmm. like movies as a whole, back in the eighties, nineties, and even a little bit in the early two thousand, just purposely being confusing as a way to keep you on the edge of your seat. Because as much as I loved knowing a lot more about the world going into watching it a second time, it didn't have the same impact because mm-hmm. I wasn't so completely in the dark of what was going to happen on this like i Mm -hmm. i knew what the puppet master was which to be fair at the beginning of the movie they didn't know what the puppet master really was either they they thought it was a a physical person but it's actually not and so it it just it, it was less intense watching it the second time after i knew more or less about the world so i understand that that point of view and that style I'm still not a huge fan of it because I'm a little dummy yeah. dumb dumb and I need stuff explained to me. Yeah, it, 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 it takes some getting used to. It, it's almost like, it, to me, it's like, you know, how the, for, for us weird Americans versus uh, Japanese style storytelling, you know, they, they do their books the other way. So it kind of feels like they do some of their stories the other way. Like they they show stuff at you and then tell you about it later, whereas Americans are just like, "Here's what these things are. You'll need them later." And I I think that's just a pitfall of the cyberpunk type of storytelling yeah. anyway, because they they want to be cool and edgy and they don't necessarily want to explain everything because it's cooler if it's a little bit mysterious. Right. Because I've seen this in other cyberpunk stuff, like an episode that we did recently. Um, that'll be um, coming out mid-October. So by the time this releases, it'll already be out. Anyway, it, it's another cyberpunk show called Virus Buster Surge, and it does a lot of the same things. Like, it it kind of plops you down in the middle. And there is a character that is new to the organization that they're joining, so you get to learn about the organization. But he's not new to living in this world. He's like 20-something, so he he doesn't need you to explain the flying cars. He doesn't need you to explain the robot mech suits and stuff. So most of that doesn't get explained because yeah. our vehicle, our our entry point to this world, doesn't need explaining for that. And it's right. really pretty much the same here. The only reason we do get that explanation is because the the puppet master is such like a metaphysical, like ethereal type of being. It just takes explaining from the ground up. So yeah. we get along with him, we get a lot of other exposition too. Well, a lot of this story is what is it to be human? What makes you human? Um, are you truly human if you're a cyborg? Mm-hmm. If you're as fully cybernetic as can as as the major? Uh, are you less human? Like I've, one of the things I noticed, which is I watched it. Like I said, I watched it again twice. I basically watched it twice today. Um, she doesn't blink. If you really pay that. attention, she does not blink. Uh, there's a, occasionally she does close her eyes, like and, and I think at one point she did blink once, but it was like a reaction kind of blink. But if you watch it again, she any scene you see her, she almost never blinks. And I think it. It gives her an eeriness and makes her makes you question her humanity and also her like you had before we started talked about how you didn't like the way her voice acting was. How do you know that wasn't on purpose because she's so lauded? 
I, I have two different ways of thinking about Kusanagi's voice actor. One of them is, you're right, it might have just been her trying to be the, this voice actress, and I should probably look up their names, but this, this English voice actress, because I watched the dub, trying yeah, to Yeah, we be... both watched the dub. I've tried to watch it in Japanese. I actually prefer the English voice acting to the Japanese, which is not something I do. I, I actually prefer subs, um, which I, is I another the elitist. I'm kind of, I, I just, there's certain shows I prefer the subs. This is one that I actually prefer the dub. Um, I've anyway, only watched so. one show that I can think of to where I stopped watching the dub and turned the subtitles on. Like, it is mostly because of my, I call it ADD, never been formally diagnosed, so I'm one of those people. But, like, I have such an attention problem with staring at a screen for too long. Mm-hmm. So, with the dub, I feel like, in my brain, I can look away from the TV more often. Even though that defeats the purpose of watching a show. Mm-hmm. With With it being in my native language, I don't have to be staring at the screen at all times, anticipating somebody about to talk. I can look away. That's always not the most beneficial way to watch something. You you can easily miss details if you do that. But I don't think people are meant to stare at a screen for an hour and a half at a time. Like people are just gonna instinctively look away. This is how I've I gotten my anime by proxy is the whole my husband only watches <laughs> dubs and, and he does it while he's playing Final Fantasy, so that's basically the same. Yeah, it's it, it just helps me that way. But but I going back to what I was saying though, I there's two different things that I can think of with her voice. Number one is that she was trying to be robotic and kind of emotionless, and that is her character. So yes, that makes sense. Number two, the other voice actors weren't good either, so maybe they just weren't. <laughs> I can't <laughs> stand it. I love Bato. He is my one of my favorite characters, Bato. I love um, him so much, but it's just because obviously he's a large, older man. So. Large man with weird eyes, and white hair. I love, love his it. eyes. I love. I him was so just much. really glad from the little bit I watched the live action one that they did make him have those weird eyes and everything. So, um, but her, her it's, but to the point though, like her, her voice acting. As soon as I saw manga entertainment pop up on the screen, I knew that this wasn't going to be the best voices of all time. Manga Entertainment yeah, kind of has a, a bad I, reputation. I didn't know that. Yeah, they don't have the best reputation. They didn't have the best talent pool to begin with, but there's a lot of that goes into voice acting, so I don't ever like to say this voice actor is bad. It could what, be was a that, mis- oh. Is that now or 95? Because remember, this Back was made in 95. Okay, because if I you're talking think... about now, I probably agree with you. But if this was the, well, this may have been the only the only place on the block in '95 that in Funimation. I think ADV was starting around that time, and then '95 uh, uh, was a small basket of animation. And then they anime. they had the um the company that did a bunch of the early Ghibli dubs too, but this oh, was yeah, a little Ghibli bit far. Removed from that because I had seen Mononoke before I'd seen this. So, what was the name of the dubbing company? I can't remember. But um, but yeah, there there there's a few dubbing companies. But but there, what my point is that there's so much that goes into it. There's the actors. There's the people that cast them. Sometimes people get cast for the wrong role. There's the person, the director that's sitting in the booth listening to them. 
there's a lot of different points to where things fail when it comes to voice acting. So I, I don't ever like to say that a voice actor is bad. Just not right for the role. And I went back and forth the entire movie as to whether this was the right voice for her, for, like, in my personal opinion. In the end, I I mean, it is very iconic, and her monotoneness is a big part of the character. So I think anybody that they cast there would probably be given the same direction. So I don't, I 100% don't think that it's her fault at all. It just came out so flat. And I feel like there could have been a way to make the voice acting more interesting. I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it personally, but something about it just felt a little off. She was a little flat. And like I said, the, the, I did watch it twice today. Second time, there were a few scenes, like the one on the boat, where I just felt like she really needs a little more expression. But I think they may have just been trying to go that she's kind of lost some of her emotion. She doesn't really get emotional. Um, she she doesn't get upset. She doesn't get mad. I mean, I think mad may be the best emotion she has. She yells at Bato a couple of times. Um and then there's like, the scene where uh, they have the puppet master trapped in the body. And she gets very assertive. And she's like, nobody is to touch this until I get back in the morning. Like, yeah. Because she would be the first one to dive into it. So I'm just, just like, why? Why? Like, I guess she thinks she's the best person for the job. I don't think she trusts anyone else. They've been hunting this thing for probably years. Because it's she lists off he's wanted for espionage and weird information gathering, political manipulation, stock market manipulation. Like, he's wanted for so many things. Um, so maybe she just wants to think she's the only one who can do it. It it really plays it off, and it, <laughs> towards the end, because there's this, there's a, a bit that happens where the body that the puppet master isn't happening, because it's, its legs are, like, torn off, so it, he can't move by himself. It got but hit by a semi. It got yeah. hit. It was a, the body walked out of the factory where the body was made and then stood in the road and got hit by a semi. And there's a point where he and he they there's a point where the body gets kidnapped and taken to a different location. And there's a tank there and the, the tank, which by the way, I freaking love the spidery tank thing. I love that it, so much. Okay. One of my notes says it looks like one of those spider tanks from Destiny, and I'm serious, that's what it looks like. It looks like the I told you this 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 movie has so many its claws into everything that that I've seen or loved. Uh, the the spider tank, I swear, it, I don't. You've not played Destiny, yeah. but anybody who's played it and knows what the spider tanks are from the Fallen, it looks like one of those. I thought it it gave me a like Metal Gear vibes. Yeah, it does have kind of a Metal Gear vibe too. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the vibe, and these are all things that came after it. So obviously. Mm -hmm probably inspired by this movie well um, so fighting the spider tank i, I want to say that if you in the matrix the scene where they pull neo out of the back tank like the machine grabs him that is shot for shot remade in the matrix from the scene where the spider tank picks up kusanagi oh i didn't know that yes they That's they the wachowskis have the wachowskis talk about that i've watched a behind the scenes on the matrix years ago because I, I love the matrix love it i just watched the, the 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 fourth movie and while it wasn't amazing it was good it was mm -hmm. matrixy 
is better than the third movie. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but the Wachowskis have have shown they they um in the the behind the scenes they put up a side by side of the of the Matrix versus Ghost in the Shell scene, and it is almost perfectly wow. a shot for shot of, of it picking her up and holding him and and stuff like that. But my my what I where I was getting with that sorry where I was getting sorry, with that I just, is... I, everyone needs to know this because it feels important to me. It is important. But but <laughs> what what I was gonna say though is the the puppet master seems to be much more emotional than she is, and I I say much more, but not he's not like this super emotional being, but he seems to have emotions more so than she does, which is weird because he's kind of artificial. But mm-hmm. when they merge together or it implies that they've merged together um in some form or fashion at the end of the movie she seems to be much more lively because mm-hmm. spoiler alert she doesn't die i mean there's like a ton of additional content so i'm assuming that you knew that she wasn't going to die but uh they he has to like rebody her into the body of a young girl and she does seem to have like the voice acting seems a little bit different so i it makes me feel like she was given the direction to be really dry be more and, human yeah and, and and then at the end now that she's like two beings sort of in one body she's a little bit more expressive it's implied that she became her own offspring essentially which this gave me when i watched it uh in may because my notes are from may this gave me steven universe vibes she <laughs> is neither the major nor the they call it uh project 2501 or something like that she is neither the major nor the project she is now a blend of both of them which reminded me of steven universe he is neither his mother nor his father he's a blend of both of them i don't mean to laugh but i just i i remembered watching this the first time this this came back to me when you said the offspring because i completely had forgotten that this whole convoluted plan was for the puppet master to get some pussy. Like, this was a huge... No, no, it was was. not for it to get pussy. It was for it to reproduce. There's a difference. uh, He sounded pretty horny on Maine to me. (laughs) It it died. This is this is what I what I wrote. I wrote is that it was it reminded me of the melding of Rose and Greg. Rose ceased to exist and Steven came into being. The AI ceased to exist. Kusanagi was still there. So she became essentially a new being by being blended with the AI. So that's why it, it hit those vibes for me. I don't know why I hadn't watched Steven Universe probably in at least a year. And that's just kind of what it felt like. But what if you think that's what it's because it's a horny robot, that's cool too. <laughs> well, I, th- that's just kind of because he was explaining his plan and like obviously choosing words very carefully mm-hmm. and when so for a while i was like okay this makes sense i'm following i'm following and then he's like and i just i want to make sure that i could reproduce and and live beyond and i'm just like this guy just wants to fuck that's <laughs> this guy literally took down all of these countries destroyed the stock market just so he could fuck he was looking for his perfect <laughs> he was looking for his perfect mate we say well, he because well, it, he, it kind of he presents knew about her for me, a but long it's more time. of a they them kind of thing it's 
it's an it's they call it a simulated ghost when they find it in the body and they they scan the body and go well there's a simulated looks like a simulated ghost inside well and it, and it calls itself a artificial being well, it's it, it's referred to as he because I remember there's there was a really awkward point in in the movie where the the guy with the like weird fingers that hack that the doctor, um, that was the dark American doctor the yeah guy. he 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 was coming that was Brian Cranston again yeah and and one of them it was either him or the guy he's with said oh yeah we'll find him and. The journalist's like, what do you mean him? We don't know if it's a man or a woman. And he's like, oh, I'm just using generic terms. You know, yeah, because this was before people started shifting toward more gender neutral pronouns, too. So well, they I would have but... been calling it them, they probably, if this was written now. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I took that to mean that they knew more than the general knew and they knew that it was. Oh, like, yeah, they definitely did. Because uh, it was Section 6 that made this thing. Uh, yeah. Section six were the was the guy that was there, the leader of section six, and Aramaki is the the, the leader of section nine, who was there, guy with the big puffball hair, looked like Bozo the Clown kind of. Uh, because you, you find know, out that the means for catching him existed for over a year before he even was committing crimes. Right. That, that's kind of how you had to kind of, because again, they don't come out and say Section 6 made him, but they said mm -hmm. Section 6 made his containment measures a year before he started showing up as this criminal. Mm -hmm. so either they created him or they knew about him long before and were taking precautions long before, but it's pretty much they, they made. Yeah, this. that's, there's a, a few other things that happens. Togusa realizes that, like, you go through the cyber sleuth kind of stuff. He notices a door takes too long to close. And a, a car has enough weight for another person in it. But they never saw another person when they came out. He was sitting in the parking lot when they came in. And it's illegal and he's like invisible instead of a government building. In a building. government building, yeah. Uh, and there's only three sections that have the same thermal optic camouflage that the Major wears. Uh, they said they're like army rangers of some kind. Section 6, which is the... The other section, and then section nine, which is the one they belong to, the elite mm -hmm. murderous robot people. Um, so that's when it starts falling into place that this is all bullshit. They're <laughs> trying to capture their own stuff, and we're kind of drug into this. Um, well, they got drug into it, but like, so what I want to know is because it again, the section six creating the puppet master program, whatever numbers they assigned to it, is th they created this thing and he's been seeking out Kusanagi to reproduce with Kusanagi to kind of like ensure that he continues to live forever or whatever. Did Was that something that they... Because the puppet master even says, I've known about you for far longer than you've known about me. So did they create him with the intention of him being compatible with Kusanagi? That's no, the part he, that I... he's a program they created for subterfuge and data collection. That's what he said. He gives a rundown to her. Oh, okay. Yes. I must, uh, I didn't he, he, was, he was created to scour the internet for data. And as he scoured the net and went into hacking these other things, he became aware of himself. He became self-aware, which we define... Uh, people of being a person is being self-aware and that's where the question of 
can an AI ask for for asylum? Can an yeah. AI truly be alive? Is it alive? And so 25501 says, since our definition of being alive is that it has to be able to reproduce. That's why it chooses, it's got, well, I've got to choose someone to reproduce. And she has, well, you can just make a copy. And he talks about how copies are just copies. There, there's no subtle changes that ensures its survival. One right. virus, one, yeah, one specifically drafted virus can wipe him and all of his copies out. Oh, there was something that reminded me. Well, she's fighting this water tank. They're fighting in a museum. Do you notice? There's fossils yeah, had, on the walls. It had like the tree of life. And... Yeah, the tree of life with hominus at the top mm -hmm. and the bullets stop at hominus. I, I, I noticed that this time and was like, that's an interesting little just neat background addition. We're talking about what is it to be human? Can an yeah, AI I, truly be alive? And it, it shows all that stuff. I really, really like that fight with the with the oh, chain. Yeah, that's a good fucking it, fight. It reminds me it reminds me so much of those like um God of War type of games. I don't know what yeah. you would call them because they're not really open world, but they're like platformy fighting games. Uh, where arena, you have you, arena world kind of stuff. Yeah, or, where you get to, like, the last boss, and, like, each time you shoot it or attack it, you do, like, such a negligible amount of damage to it. Yeah. You have yeah, to avoid yeah. all of its, like, massive one-hit KO attacks and stuff. Because she yeah. was... I mean, they, they warned her before she went in that she did not have enough, like, ammunition or good enough weapons to destroy mm -hmm. that tank. She knew this was a losing battle, mm -hmm. basically, when she went in. But she was, like, so determined and not going to stop. Yeah, she just could not stop very and compulsive. she just destroys her own body to try to take that fucking tank down and in the end it's fucking bato with a giant missile launcher that just goes <laughs> bam i love that it was ball. great so much she's like where'd you get that gun oh it's standard issue i added it to my own personal collection i'm late because i had to go pick it up from my house but i'm here <laughs> like it's the biggest MacGuffin, like it's like Chekhov's gun, literally. Like <laughs> he's Plato is Chekhov's gun. Not to get too sidetracked, but I think he's the best character in the entire movie. He like is. he's just, he's, he's so matter of fact, but he's like much more. I don't. I, I guess he's less computerized than she is mm -hmm. because he has a lot more range of emotion to him, even though it's not a really huge range. But compared yeah. to her, he's much well, more emotional and and like real world thinking. Considering their background, he was probably turned into a cyborg much later in life than she yeah, was. She was done sense. as a child. He was as probably as an adult when he got into the army or whatever he's in, you know, wherever he's from. And and so his was a different experience, which is what she talks about when she briefs Tobisa about who they are. Every one of them has different ranges and capabilities. And if they were all the same, they would stagnate and be easy to take down. But since they're all different, they're all unpredictable because they're not all the same. She's predictable. She's going to go straight in, barrel in, and do what she needs to do. Bato is like her counter that her Swiss Army knife. Apparently, he owns every gun available. <laughs> I love it so much. I do. I, I Bato is like... I don't, I don't know what how to describe it in the... the Easiest way to describe it, like, uh, I would date Bato. 
<laughs> Bato is like a dad. He's yeah. He, he's because like he he's concerned about everybody's well being, but he'll also pull out a gun and blow somebody up. Like he's mm-hmm. he's like the dad of this group of people. He he, so he makes fun of people like he makes fun of of Togusa for his revolver. You know he he's he's making jokes a lot. He talks about you know why am I sitting here drinking a beer when we're cyborgs? And then she goes off on the well we can just do this. We could you know what is it to be human? Blah blah blah. He's just like okay. Yeah, they, they can choose to metabolize the beer and be sober in like she mm-hmm. said like just seconds or whatever. Yeah. Uh, then why are you drinking that beer, ma'am? <laughs> You're yeah. wasting money. <laughs> and then there's the whole uh, the whole point where they link together and they're they're talking, and he cuts off her her link Boy. to Bato, and Bato's just like, "What the fuck's going on? <laughs> I can't hear you." Because yeah, the he's... robot's still talking through her, and, and she... she has no outside. Of it. Yeah, he's the robot's responding out loud with a physical voice to what she's saying inside of her head. Through her body, through her body, yeah, through its body, through her body. Can't hear her thoughts anymore, so he's only hearing half of the conversation, and Mm -hmm. it's a wild ass conversation. So I understand why he was very thoroughly (laughs) confused because they're talking about like reproducing over here, and it's like two half mangled bodies, and I mean, I would be very concerned too. (laughs) And it's just it's weird like the exposition it gives us that that's when it gives its big exposition about how i was created but I become sentient now i'm now i feel like i'm alive which i mean it gives us a lot of of questions about like you've heard about the google ai that scoured the internet and somehow became super racist and stuff yeah. like like it gives you it gives you pause to go maybe we shouldn't do this you know well, also- because it, it also harkens back to a part of the the movie earlier that was a throw I, I feel like it was a throwaway line but it really bothered me watching it the second time because i knew about the conversation they have like the very metaphysical what is being a human conversation they have at the end there's an off comment that they make uh bateau and the general they're just having a casual conversation and one of them mentioned something about retirement and they said, well, if we retire, they'll repossess all of the cybernetic enhancements. And then at that point, what would I be left with? Yeah. Cause she, she has almost nothing. She so, would be just a brain case. Yeah. And, so it's like, it, it, it's like, is the brain what the human is? Because uh, that's what the government seems to think, because if they can just repossess all these cybernetic enhancements, yeah, then I guess the government officially recognizes the brain as what makes somebody human but it's a lot more than that and it's it i don't know it's just like if she ever retires she's basically fucked (laughs) so yeah she's 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 indentured to them because she is all of her parts are owned by the government and then essentially yeah she's essentially and she talks about that too like they have perfect health and she can be whatever age and, and and but all she requires is like a, a massive overhaul every so often and you know upkeep a little bit of whatever and, and she's just like but you know what is it am i am i still human am i am i any better like what am is this a good thing for she she you're i think you're right about her just like sounding like she's fucking depressed 
she feels like she's just done. That's what I took we, we have no explanation about how long she's been doing that. that. That's exactly what I took away from it. Especially when I said that she was turned into a robot as a small child, which probably dampened her ability to feel genuine human emotions, I would assume. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that as a fact, but I assume that did. So she's probably never fully experienced actual depression so her floating mm -hmm. in that empty not empty but her floating in the dark expanse of the ocean feels very similar i'm assuming to how she feels in her head but she just doesn't have the correct words for it because at this point she's more ai than human mm -hmm. physically anyway so can robots understand depression mm. well she talks about how she uh what is it she says she talks about how she thinks that she's someone else, feels like she's someone else when she's coming up and she has hope when she's coming up to the surface. Like like her I guess maybe like her life would be different once she surfaces. Like I've, I've, I've had those feelings of, man, maybe if I wake up tomorrow my life will just be a little bit different. So it, it does it's really deep. Like you don't you don't mm -hmm. think anime can get you that deep. But this one I feel is just very well written compared to some of the other ones I've seen and I've seen kind of sort of seen a lot. Um it and and I am extremely nostalgic about this one because this one is just it hits a lot of good spots for me as far as cyberpunk and fantasy and robots and future and so I'm really rose colored for a lot of this. I'm trying not to be but I can't help. So I I I have a funny story about why I never watched this when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, so you're from the same area as me, so I'm sure you remember Hollywood Video, right? Yes. So Hollywood Video had this on VHS. They had a section in the back that was called mm -hmm. Special Interest, and it was anime, because there wasn't really a widespread word for it, at least in mainstream culture, back in the late 90s and early 2000s for anime. You had to be into anime to know it was called that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I would go and rent tapes from there and i would always see ghost in the shell but go the cover of ghost in the shell at least the vhs copy that they have she was naked on the cover of it you it, like it was kind of from a back angle to where you really couldn't see her breasts or anything but she's very clearly naked yeah it was a little hentai so anytime i would take that like because i would read the back of it and it would sound interesting even as a little kid which i don't think i would have understood nearly as no much this as is it. this is a but, little deep for your for when you were yeah. a kid because uh, I was probably like 9 or 10. 9 yeah, 11, it's still a little deep for 9 and 10. I, I probably, this is something you watch as a teenager. But I, I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I would take this VHS tape to my parents and they would look at the cover and be like, no. Because, God, if my parents didn't want a gay kid, they did all the wrong things because they kept me from boobs at every turn. I, got I know, it's weird, isn't it? Taylor Moon for it. I got banned from Ghost in the Shell for it. I got banned from Sorcerer Hunters because of it. And it's like, if you would have let me like tits when I was young, maybe I would. No, I'm just kidding. That is not how that works. But still, it's it's well, one of the things that in my head. Would have they would have <laughs> made you appreciate tits a little more, you know? Oh god! I mean, just, oh, I got banned oh, yeah, from dark stalkers because of that. Oh, like <laughs> my fuck, anytime man? my parents saw tits, they were like, Look, "No, ma'am." The, the anime boom started when I was in high school for for most people, and so. Uh, it was, you know, and late, the late night tsunami is where it really got me, the, the 9, 10 o'clock car time. 
Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's where I watched a lot of stuff. Uh, Ghosts and Shoals, you know, Complex, Kenner Robin, which I'm going to drag you into Witch Hunter Robin. I can't get you this rating. I love Witch Hunter Robin. We've oh, talked good. about it before. Oh, good. Then we'll have to watch it. Yeah, I've uh, I've never sat down and watched the whole show because I did catch it on um, Adult Swim or Toonami, whatever was the... We're going to have to do it. Anyway, it was, so... I uh, liked it. So I got these deep ones because uh, I was getting them as a teenager. Whereas you're five years younger than me, eight years younger than me. Somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah. You're younger than my husband, right? I think... Okay, we have... We're, You're nearly we're a decade right. younger than me, I, I will say. Um, which is strange that friends. I don't, I don't know how I'm we Three did years this, younger than did. your brother. Yeah. 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 It's almost a decade. It's, it's not I was, I was, uh, I was a freshman in college when he was either a junior or senior. So I'm either two or three years younger than your brother. Yeah. And, and you met me when I was playing mother to, to the GSA. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah, I was buying all the decorations and helping set everything up. Because fun fact, was... the first time I met Lori, and for a long time afterwards, because she used that picture forever. She had the purple, purple hair. hair. <laughs> yeah, the purple wig I got from my mom for Halloween. I was basically a punk rock uh, musician, I guess. Had funky ass makeup and shit too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I had this nice looking fucking like leather jacket that I was wearing and shit. Because it was October, it's cold. Yeah. I bought all the, took up all the the decorations for GSA's uh, Halloween party, and I met a bunch of bunch of people that I still have contact with through that. And it wasn't I was already at college at the time. I just was trying to support my brother, who at the time had finally come out, was living his mm-hmm. best life. So uh, it was me being supportive sister, and I that's how I met you. So. Yeah, but we, didn't, like we a, didn't really talk until I moved to St. Louis, which is so weird. Well, we didn't talk until my brother told you that I played Xbox, and then we started playing Gears of War, and that's how everything got started. We started shooting uh, shooting locusts together, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and through you, pl- and playing Gears of War is how I met my other set of friends, and I have this close friend group of folks who... We all play Xbox together, and none of us live anywhere close together. Well, I live close to one of them, or two of them, but it just life is busy, so yeah. I don't see it a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, one of them's got a kid, or two kids? Two kids! Two, two kids! kids two girls. And the other he one, two girls. did he just get married? So, like, everybody's, everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And so. then our other friends just got married, and... They all came to my wedding, which you didn't get to come to, sadly. You were going to be my best man. That was poor. My, not my best man, my male of honor. But you were poor. I'm it's sorry. Fine. It's fine. I don't blame you. It kind of happened in reverse when I got married. Yeah. When, when you got I married, I wore. Because I had just gotten married. <laughs> but yeah, at the... Anime back in the day was just a not to awkwardly segue back to the topic, but anime back in the day was like, what was were we very, talking about other than our life. It was it was a very different world 
right. And I know that sounds super cliche to say, but we, we touched on it lightly towards the beginning, but the releases were so sporadic and mm-hmm. these were the days where you would rent a VHS tape. Well, I, I say you, I, me specifically, I was this kind of person. I would rent a VHS yeah. tape and it would have three episodes of a show. And yeah. I'd watch those three episodes like five or six times where I had to return the VHS tape. Or I would buy a VHS tape that only had a couple episodes on it. So I feel like things stuck with me so much more because we had so much less. Mm-hmm. But I think that no matter when this movie came out, it because of how, how iconic and like intense it is, I don't think it would have fallen prey to some of the other shows that I've watched doing this podcast that I remember very fondly looking at you, Tekken, and then turned out to be hot garbage. I just heard Tekken. Tekken was hot. It was garbage from Mitchell Taco. Uh, it was so hard. <laughs> I think this hit differently for me, mostly because I was older. And as a teenager, what makes me me is an important question when you're a teenager. So what made me me? What am I? Who am I? That was something that Kitsunagi was asking is what what makes me me who am I and that's why this has stuck with me so hardcore is because it it questions your existence and who you are and why are you who you are and as a a teenager young 20 year old that's an important question it's a really important question and I, I think this is specifically this world is a great world for teenagers to dive into, a great world for people of, I guess, of any queer persuasion to to dive into because you get to questioning who you are. And, and, and again, I will go back to talk about standalone complex. <clears throat> There's a point where she's dating someone and it's a female. So that's an where they question whether she's male or female in a body too. So like, is she a guy dating a girl? Is she a girl dating a girl? Is she uh, androgynous dating a girl? Because she she's outwardly presenting as female, but is she really? We don't know. Like it's it's it gives you a lot of queer vibes in the in some things with her because she can be whatever she wants to be. She could take her brain out of that body and put it in an entirely different one. If she wanted to, and it did, it doesn't necessarily have to be a female body either. It could right. be. It could be male. It could be androgynous. It's it's a really good world. That that's this might be an inappropriate time to say this, but it that fact cracks me up so bad because Bartow chooses to be an old man. <laughs> no, see, that's what I'm saying. I I don't think Bartow is a full cyborg. I think that's he his body. With cyborg, he could be if he wanted to be as as altered Kutsunagi, but he's not. He has funky ass eyes. He could and be he does have... for right now, for all we know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I enjoy the the, the differences in the world. Like, I like that there's no flying cars. I like that. I like that it's packed and and full of trash and and graffiti and it's more like what we see in our own world today just a little more future 
like it's that a, one of one of the world. things that they that they really lightly touched on. I say I like it. It's awful, but I like mm-hmm. that they that this is part of the world building. Is there's that poverty line divide too? Like a lot of the more poor people were just straight up humans because they can't afford the enhancements. Mm-hmm. It's not like mm-hmm. everybody just magically became cyborgs in the year twenty twenty five or whatever. Right. No, like you have to have money to have it. So like the garbage guys have a couple of little things, but they're nowhere near as much as like when you see some of the other people, like the military people or the more wealthy people that have more cybernetic enhancements. Right. It's like, still the, like the world doctors. still revolves around money. Yeah, like so if even if we move towards the cybernetic enhancement thing, like there would still be a lot of people that are just straight up humans because they're poor and they can't afford mm-hmm. it. And so it feels like a real world, like so many times with futuristic worlds, like as much as I love Star Trek and my husband is going to come for me, but... Star Trek too, but I won't come for you because I (laughs) will agree with this. I know what you're going to say. Just the world coming together and deciding to abandon money and abandon racism and abandon all this stuff sounds fantastic, but not realistic. That's the part of Star Wars, or Star Wars, Star Trek, sorry, that has always really, really bothered me, is that, like, money doesn't exist anymore. We don't have a need for money. We've evolved beyond that. But it's not set super far into the future, like, ridiculously far into the future. And I just, I don't know. Actually, it's like 400 years in the future. Star Trek is. Even even with 400 years, I mean, we've gone 2,000 years of people trying to grab money. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I think the key difference there is uh, the first contact with the Vulcans and experiencing life outside of our own who we are. This, that, that's the difference between something like Trek and Ghost in the Shell. Well, Ghost in the I, Shell is still humans dealing with human issues. It's just there's robots involved now. Well, have you not seen that episode of, of South Park where they make fun of that, where the aliens come down and there there's well if these aliens come down and they have all this alien money and they tell people that they the humans that they've got to hide them and then the the police aliens come down and no, i haven't watched start i haven't watched south park in a while because it it's, got it's, pulled off of first contact type of stuff but instead of like evolving beyond the need for money and becoming selfless and stuff like they do in star trek they just try to take all the money and and basically hide it on earth from the police and it turns out that it was a test to see if humans were ready for space travel and they weren't <laughs> because they're all greedy and terrible and i just feel like that's more realistically what would happen yeah that is way more realistic but this this world it, it feels real i guess is the yeah. point it feels like a world that could exist even with all of the because and the reason why i say that is in the far future of 2029 <laughs> yeah because that's the fan, part that kills me <laughs> People get mad at me so much because I like to point out plot holes and like, it's a fantasy world or it's the future. Like, why are you so judgmental? It's because they, these shows and, and books and movies and stuff set up worlds with rules. And when they don't follow their own rules, that's when I get pissed off. Yeah, but this same. sets up some, something that follows the rules of the world that we already live in but just has some more fantastical elements to it, and it's done super well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it 
to me, I guess we're we're getting closer to the end. It it really holds up. There are things that suck about it. Again, it's mostly like the <laughs> outpouring of exposition because God, they just talk. They talk so much. I, I don't I wanna see more of like the first scene where she fights the guy from the garbage run. It's not the garbage man himself, it's the other guy who yeah involved in it half that or most of that is a guy fighting an invisible fighter and it's a joy to watch it's a good scene did you notice that when she tosses him onto the ground and it puts ripples in the water there's a few spots where her feet are you can see the ripples mm-hmm. hit her feet yeah i love that yeah it's 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 little things like that she twists his fucking arm and just flings him across and it is so great to watch it, it is a really good scene. Um, there's several other scenes like that. The the first scene where she does kill the the guy that they were having the diplomatic issues with, um, and she's just falling, and she's got that thermoptic camouflage, and she just puts her hand over her face to, I guess, pull the the veil back across and just disappears. Mm-hmm. Fucking beautiful to watch. Like well, it's I... just a good scene. I don't mind the 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 talking as much, the exposition and stuff. That doesn't bother me. You needed it. <laughs> the only part that really bothered me that I thought was a detriment, and it's just because I'm not as much a an appreciator of these kind of things, is there's two different points in the movie where they just have a music montage. Yeah. And the second one was it, it, the story was progressing while it was happening, but the first one is just her riding on this boat and like taking in the sights of the town. And yes, it's cool to see the city that she's traveling through, but it was an extended like two and a half, three minute scene where nothing happens. And there's this atonal like wailing type of music in the background. That's it's present through a lot of the soundtrack to this, but it just, it just seems so something else could have been there something else could have happened there yeah. that's the that's the only part that i didn't like the it, second it one slowed, it slowed everything down a little bit it really did i that was my one complaint i have a note that just says the horrible montages but the second one again the the story was moving forward during the montage there just wasn't any talking so i guess that one's not as egregious like things were still happening but that first one was just a chore to watch like I think I, I like, because I was taking notes on my laptop, I think I pulled up, like, Twitter or something while that was happening. Because <laughs> I watched it. Tweeting. Because the, the first time I watched it, I was watching it so intently because I wasn't sure if something was going to happen. But the second I watched it, I was like, this literally nothing happens here. She's just on a boat going through the canal for, like, three minutes. I have, I have mm. enough time to check Twitter for updates. Yeah, that was when she, her and Bateau were coming back from swimming, from wasn't swimming. it? Yeah. Um, and there's and there's a part where she sees somebody in a cafe that looks just like her, and I get that that's like ties into the whole like somebody else has the same body type as her, mm-hmm. and so is she really a unique person or not? And I I mm-hmm. I understand why that's there, but that could have been done in a, a way that was more entertaining. You know, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, she she uh, as they're going by, she looks and there's a woman in the cafe that looks exactly like her. I've seen this so many times and I never noticed that. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so it's either supposed to be her, like... It's probably, like, like her face is uh, mass-produced. 
Because her body say, is specific, specific from the same place that the puppet master's body was created out of. Because Bato talks about that. I was going to say, it was either like she saw somebody else with the same face as her, or she was imagining her living a normal life instead of being in the military. It was one of that the two. That could be it as well. It could be but that I, as well. I think it was based off of the am I really human type of thing. I think it was more she probably saw somebody with the same face type as her. Mm-hmm. And just had like a moment of am I really a unique person if somebody else looks exactly like me but I mean it, it, that's the that may thing. have been that may have been left up to the viewer mm-hmm. uh, whether or not that was her imagining herself or that was a mass produce you know mass production of her right. current face face type um, I would probably veer toward the option of that was something she's probably made to look like a, an every person. And mm-hmm. that may be what that face is, but you probably see it as her imagining being, not being in the military and being normal, being quote normal. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure what they were trying to go with it, but because there's no dialogue, it's just her watching this woman in the cafe. And it's, it's never really shown if it was an actual thing that happened or not. And it's never mentioned again, really. So, mm-hmm it's one of those things that's like what are, how are we supposed to interpret this but I, I it was most likely her realizing that she might not be completely unique and are mm-hmm. is any human 100% unique like you know mm-hmm. is she human it, it, that's the whole question of the movie and it, I just thought it was as much as I hate that scene because I feel like it just wastes a lot of time I do like that 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 was part of it I just wish that they had done that in a different way because like you said, you didn't even notice it. And it's probably because it mm-hmm. does come off as just a like time-wasting montage of them on a boat traveling through a canal forever. <laughs> In general, this movie asks a lot of really good questions. And and for, for it to do that in 1995 is excellent. If it and, had been the same thing now, I think it would just be another movie in the background. I'm wondering if because we've kind of beat around the bush a little bit with this, and this is kind of getting towards the overall feelings of how I feel about everything. But I wonder, because this has inspired so many things, but a lot of the things that it's inspired have been Western. Because you talked about cyberpunk, which is much more affluent over here. Talked about the Matrix, which was a North American production, or at least an English production. Um um, in, you also, James Cameron. James yeah, Cameron. You also says said it's a big inspiration. at the beginning that the research you did said that this was a flop when it first came out in Japan, mm-hmm. and it was VHS sales and rentals that helped it. And I'm wondering if that was because this has a lot more of a Western sci-fi feel to it than a than Asian sci-fi feel to it, even though it's a Japanese production and it's set in like Japan slash possibly Hong Kong a very Asian aesthetic, but it feel it doesn't feel like a lot of anime felt at the, at that time. And there was a really similar occurrence with the show Big O, which is... Oh, yeah, I've seen Big O. Um, yeah, for, for anybody that has it, it's a mid-2000s mecha anime that's heavily inspired by Batman. And it has oh, a Oh, I very, didn't even know that. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be Bruce Wayne, basically. Oh, that makes way more sense now. Yeah, and then Dorothy is supposed to be the butler. Alfred. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I watched it, and I was just like, well, that's okay. But now that you say that, that makes so much more sense. 
Yeah, it's it's super heavily inspired by Batman. And oh. because it's so inspired by Western culture, well, I don't know if that was the only reason, but it was one of the contributing factors to it not doing well in Japan. And it got canceled mm-hmm. after 12 or 13 episodes. But it came over here and was on Toonami and was such a massive success that we actually went back and Toonami commissioned them to do a second season so the series could be finished and, and fully the full story told. And I'm just wondering if that kind of storyline was the same for this, if it didn't do well in Japan. And then several years later, it came out in the United States, and now it's like a cult classic with a huge franchise behind it. And we got basically every piece of media from Ghost in the Shell put into English. Yeah, some specifically so, made as American productions, I believe. Right. The Netflix, there's a Netflix production of Ghost in the Shell uh, that That's I watched. Asian, right? That's the what? The 3D one? The Yeah, the weird animation one that I gritted my teeth and hated the animation. So I watched it. The The story's good. I just hated the animation. Hated it. Yeah. But I, once again, I must reiterate, I am a huge fan of old animation style. Cell animation. And so for that to be, it's been discarded to just be a niche thing now. So it's hard for me to embrace a full CG animation. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I think that's one of the reasons why I still cling to anime after all of these years. Because while it's not traditional cell animation, it's still 2D animation. Like it's com- mm-hmm. it, they draw everything basically now in computers and animate it with computers and stuff because it is much cheaper and faster and easier. So better but, because but you don't have the that, same you don't have the same mistakes. Yeah, but but it still has the aesthetic and feel of cell animation. It's still 2D animation. Because we don't get a lot of 2D animation in North America mm-hmm. anymore. It's because 3D animation is so cheap and easy to do. But I've been watching a lot of YouTubers that are reviewing some of these and 3D animation does not hide mistakes as easily as 2D does. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why a lot of these cheap 3D shows look cheap because it's 3D animation is easy, but it's not easy to make it look expensive without actually putting money into it. Right. I just, I don't know what I, what it was about the animation from the Netflix series. And I want to just, just repeat the story was great. I've really enjoyed the story. I didn't, and, and it actually had. Some of the original voice actors, the voice actress from uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, who did Kutsunagi's voice, did a cameo as one of her supervisors. Oh, cool. Uh, so she was in it. Uh, so there were some original, some ties to the previous version in it. I even looked it up and verified it because I was like, that's got to be her voice. <laughs> I do not remember her name, but I, I do remember that that she was in it. Um but I did didn't enjoy the animation. I didn't, and, and if you if you have bad animation, it really takes me out of it. There's there's a lot of good shows that I just can't watch because I can't stand the animation. I don't enjoy the animation from Sailor Moon Crystal. I can't watch it. Have and you, I want have you seen to. Eternal Eternal looks so much better. No. I I get to the point where I want to watch something and I get myself to start it. 
And so I think about it, but don't actually do it. Just <clears throat> a lot of stuff I do. That's but... how I feel about a lot of the shows that you want me to watch. Like the, what is, what's that cartoon you've been trying to get me to watch? Star, Star versus the forces of evil. The animation just does not. It's so I know, I, I know, animation. but it's exactly what you're saying. Cause like, I I'm know. telling you that. The, the third season of Sailor Moon Crystal and then Sailor Moon Eternal, which is technically the fourth season, but it's just two movies, are fantastic. But mm-hmm. trudging through seasons one and two of Sailor Moon Crystal is not something I wish on anybody. because it Well, is I will drudge through Sailor Moon Crystal if you will watch Star vs. Forces of Evil. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on Hulu. No, no, it is on Disney Plus. No, it is on Disney Plus. I was about to say, I think it got taken off of Hulu. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. I think. So I'll have to completely legally and in no way illegally obtain Disney Plus. Well, I think we might can figure that out. Completely legally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like we've beat around the bush for a long time. I, I'm almost positive I know your answer to this, but is to you, is Ghost in the Shell of a good film or did you just have nostalgic feelings about this film? Cause that's what we do on this podcast. That's what we're here to answer. It's a little both, which is not, a, it's if that's a not, a, not a real answer, but it's a good film with bad things in it. Like the, there's a lot of exposition, the couple of, of musical cut parts where we talked about uh, some of the voice voices aren't, exactly what you think they would be but they might be that way on purpose we're not sure so the story is a good story the themes it says themes and i would think that would call it a good movie because and, and the the animation is good too which is another good part it really mixed in 3d and cell in a really good um they mm-hmm. used it really effectively especially the 3d parts when she was invisible quote invisible um but it is highly, highly shaded by my nostalgia for seeing this as a teenager, where someone who is younger than me would not have seen this as as a they would have been in middle school, elementary school. Mm-hmm. They may not have understood the themes as a, as a teenager or a young, you know, early twenties adult. You get these themes. You feel these themes. What is it to be human? It's it's about exploring who you are. It it really hits home with you. So my nostalgia, and I've already to do this several times. Nostalgia with this is, I'm gonna be looking at this through rose colored glasses for ninety nine percent of it. But in general, the film itself, I believe, is a good film, and that I believe is evidence based, considering that there are are a lot of directors who say this inspired them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me who thinks this is a good one. Because, I mean, the Wachowskis and James Cameron think it's a really good film. I, I, I'm trying to, to put my thoughts into words as eloquently as possible, but it's me, so it won't happen. Essentially, I think this is one of those movies... Um, Actually, let me let me start by saying this. There's some of those movies out there where you can say this is a great movie and that's all you need to say and you just show it to your friends. Like, hey, I found this awesome movie. We should have a movie night and watch it together. And 
there like there's plenty of those movies that you can think of to where that would that would do the job this is more of a movie where you need to set the expectations for them because everybody's there there's um goodness i can't word this correctly there's movies out there kind of like blockbustery type movies where there's pieces for literally any audience and so you can go in it with any kind of mindset and find things in it to like this is a movie where you need to be prepped that this is while it, it has action segments to it is a very psychological movie so if you're not in that headspace or if that isn't something that you find interesting it's going to come off as really boring because there's a lot of exposition like we said there's a lot of talking there's a lot of philosophical questions being asked a lot of philosophical motifs in general even if they're not asking questions you you it requires a little bit more explanation before you plop somebody down in front of the television to watch this which is yeah. why I I really enjoyed it now, but I had that expectation set for me. You had kind of talked to me a little bit about it. And of course, it's just been in the anime mythos for, you know, decades. Mm. Yeah, so I, I tangentially knew that this was like a very cerebral type of movie. So I went into it expecting that. And because I was in that headspace and I knew what to expect, I had a phenomenal time. Had you just said this is an old 80s uh, action anime because technically that's not wrong <laughs> or sorry 90s no. an old 90s action anime that's technically not a wrong description of it it's just lacking a few things i probably yeah. would have been much more disappointed so if it's it's good yes but it's only good if that's your kind of thing this could very easily bore people to tears <laughs> yeah if you're I... not interested in the deeper the in thinking deeper beyond it yeah it's a conversation um... piece I mean, it, it is something about it for almost two hours. So yeah, it's it's something that you really got to focus on, and it's better. It gets better after multiple viewings. But you have have said that you didn't mm -hmm. really get it the first time, but the next time you saw it a few months later, you got it a lot better. It made more sense. You knew what the world was like. Once you knew what the world was like, you were able to enjoy the story more. So right. it, it takes a couple of viewings. There's some movies like that that I know about in mainstream they're like that one of those i would i would say is like 12 monkeys with mm -hmm. uh bruce willis and brad pitt i had to watch that movie twice i did not get it the second time i watched it i really got it it was a lot better so it reminded oh. well I was just I was gonna, just... so there there's other movies out there like that that are that are you don't get them the first time but they're enjoyable the second time they're more impactful it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Madoka Magica. I don't know if you've seen that, but essentially it... I shook it my head does, like you could hear me, like you could hear my head rattle. No, I have not seen that. It does kind of the same thing where Madoka is like, she's she's the main character, so it's a little bit more hand-holdy than this is in terms of using a character to explain the world to you, whereas our quote-unquote relatable character was more of a side character in ghost in the shell mm. so we did he wasn't on screen a ton and so our glimpses of him getting him to explain stuff was different but with monica there's it's just got twist after twist after twist and what when you rewatch it you can see that they weren't necessarily twists like a lot of the things that they explained to you were already there and kind of in plain sight but because you you're the narrative that you're being led on didn't highlight that 
it because it, it deals with time travel i guess it's the easiest way to to not spoil too much if you want to watch it because it's a horror it's a horror show that's based off of time travel and so there when you're watching it through the first time there's little things that you that don't mean anything to you that watching it a second time mean a lot more to you and this is that's kind of the experience that i had with this there was a lot of things that they said and a lot of questions that they posed and a lot of events that took place were watching it the first time not having any grasp on this world that they exist in didn't leave as much of an impact on me but watching them back the second time they did because i had a better understanding of what was going on and i guess that's my roundabout way of saying that that some there's some media that's specifically made for you to watch it more than once and there's other media that's meant for you to watch it one time and then the impact is gone mm-hmm like M. Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I As much as I loved the movie Old, I don't think I can watch it again because Look, the twist is over. I, I liked... Uh, which one is it? The Village? I, I Village was okay. Signs was really good to me. Uh, the, the scene where the alien walks in the news video still freaks me out to this day. Um, <laughs> which one is it? The, the Sixth Sense? Yeah, I see dead no. people. Yeah, that that one that one is still a really good movie. Mm. Okay. I think it, that was when he just shot most of his love and he was done. But it's they're movies that aren't necessarily meant to be watched more than once. But this movie is definitely meant to be watched multiple, multiple times because there's just mm-hmm. there's because the way that they've there's written There's lots of it, layers. Yeah, the the way that they wrote it is that you were supposed to be an expert on it from day one from like minute one of watching it you're supposed to know everything that's going on in this world and they only need to catch you up on things that happened yesterday not things that happened 20 years ago when they developed this technology or whatever like yeah, everybody everybody knows about that crap why explain that because yeah there's I not a lot of handholding. <laughs> no but but after you watch the movie and you start to infer things then you go back and watch it the second time and things that they said early on fit into the context of things that happen at the end of the movie and everything makes sense. So it's, it's definitely worth the rewatch, but like just as my general warning, if you don't like cerebral stuff, if you don't like high concept, like um, philosophical, if you don't like thinking too much, this is a very much a thinking movie. I have times when I just want to watch something stupid and mindless and i'll throw on you know whatever tv show i'm into at the time like king of the hill family guy futurama just to have something in the background but this is something that needs to be actively watched and actively paid attention to more than once (laughs) so this is not for the faint of heart you you should if you want to watch this movie you should sit down and watch it it makes me want to watch scanners again i haven't seen that movie in a long time oh that's an interesting movie (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so that's that's basically it for ghost in the shell again we we didn't really want to walk through every story beat because it is it, it's number one that'd be really hard to do just because of how like ethereal some of these points are but we did our best you know well this but, movie's complicated there's a very. lot to it um and once again i will reiterate that if you watch this and enjoy this movie, get into Standalone Complex. It is an excellent series. 
uh, was out on Cartoon Network. It was part of Toonami. If you missed the Toonami wave, I am so sorry because the Toonami wave was amazing. <laughs> Even though I don't like Dragon Ball Z, everything that came on there was really great. Um, well, if you if you really like this <laughs> and you can't get into Netflix, go ahead and watch the shitty animated ones on Netflix because the story's good. The story's really good. I just I can't do that animation style. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, you, you sound like me trying to watch the the uh, 3D animated Knights of the Zodiac. Like, oh, it's, that animation's it's bad painful. too. I couldn't watch that either. My we're, husband we're drug me the, through that. You're watching it oh. on the. Podcast. I will say the second season is phenomenally better story wise, but it's the same animation. So if you hated the animation in the first season, you're gonna hate it in the second yeah, season. Yeah, my husband watched it. I kind of again. A lot of my anime is by proxy. I got to some. I got invested because he had it on, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I'd ask him questions, and then he'd go, "Well, this and that," and I'd be like, "Why are they doing that?" And I'd be like, "Why are they being stupid? What's going Why on?" Why is her name Sienna? I hate it. Why is Shu? Was it Shu? It was Sean. Sean. Shun. They turned, it changed Shun. her name to Sean. Why is Shun a girl? That drove me crazy because she was my favorite. Because I had the dragon uh, doll, and I gave that to you. No, that no, no. Dragon, the dragon is uh, is Shiryu. Shiryu, I had the Shiryu doll, and I gave to you. That's right. I'm sorry, it's all jumbled in my head. I hadn't watched it in a while. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, essentially, it's one of the. You just if if this sounds even remotely interesting to you, and you haven't watched it, which a little strange you're listening to this episode because we don't we don't even bother with spoiler warnings for stuff. No, like, no, it's it's uh, the whole thing spoiler. This is decades and decades old, so that's a little bit weird. But if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, there's so much to this franchise. There's a lot more that I plan on on watching because of how much I actually surprisingly enjoyed this. Not to say that I thought I wasn't going to like it, but usually the more like think pieces trying to make you question stuff where you have to sit there and discuss it for 30 minutes with your friends after you get out of the theater. Those are not the movies that I, <laughs> that my little brain watches often. So I was pleasantly surprised by how much I like this, to be honest with you. Sitting here steepling my fingers together going, excellent, <laughs> because I want you to watch Standalone Complex with me because I dread like I you I, back into this stuff. I have the movies, I just, I because they were... Uh, in a bundle on sale on iTunes mm-hmm. for like a dollar a piece a few mm-hmm. years ago. I, so I own them. Like the, I think you'll like the voice acting better. I hope so. <laughs> I, th- I think you will. I, I prefer the standalone complex uh, voice actress for Kitsunagi. I think it's a different person. I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Bateau is the same. Uh, so uh, they give they, the good thing is uh, for the, the, the anime um, like the stories and stuff, they they give more background to the background characters, Togusa and and everyone else. So you get to know them better. You really get to like them better. It's 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 so you get to know the world better. It's it's I will always I guess the kids are using these days is Stan. I will always stand Ghost in the Shell. Uh, I will fight anybody who thinks it's bad because I think. It's I think this is like on your Sailor Moon Kamen Rider level 
as far as how much you I would go at somebody for it. <laughs> Sailor Moon, yes. Common Rider, no. Common Rider, I can objectively see that it is garbage, but I love it. But Sailor Moon is objectively good, and I will fight people over that. <laughs> Come and fight me. <laughs> and if... people, especially when they call it a girl show, it's like, but I knew more boys as a kid that liked Sailor Moon than I knew girls. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> we've been talking about this for for quite a while now, so I was I think that we've said most of what needs to be said. Um, it's there is a lot of nostalgia surrounding this property, but it, for a good reason. I mean, obviously, like like you said, Lori, this wouldn't have inspired so many people if it wasn't a, a very solid piece of media. So objectively, this is good. And I think that we both kind of agree, me a little bit more enthusiastically than you, that this is a really, really solid movie. Uh, because I guess because I'm just seeing it more freshly. <laughs> and so I have less things Probably. to do with that because I, I've only seen it a couple of times. But it, it's, it is a really good movie. So... There's your answer if you're wondering if this still holds up from 1994, so almost 30 years later, if this is still a good piece of artwork and a good piece of film. I, I think so. I, I, so. I happen to agree. I just try to try not to, to be too enthusiastic about it because it was my idea, and I, I'm <laughs> the one who forced you to watch it, which I'm hoping I can force you to watch other things, and it'll be wonderful and they'll get to hear your your sadness as you watch all the things i love i won't be sad well i don't know the other what what a good word for it would be it would be uh torture i'm going to torture you no nah, it won't be that. if you let me back on your show i'm going to torture you <laughs> make you watch all the things i love uh, so where uh if people out there want to get a hold of you if they're interested in what you've got going on do you is there anything you want to promo like your your social media or anything like that i'm 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 old i i don't really use my social media much anymore because of uh mostly because of mental health impact um but i will say that i do have a twitter lack of harmony on twitter um it's mostly going to be me tweeting at KRF and telling him, send him stupid gifts because we we communicate via gifts. If anyone's ever noticed, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but our entire chat history is nothing but gifts at each other. And then where are you going to be? Why are you not playing this game? Uh, and then also me tweeting a lot of Overwatch League because I I am most active on my Twitter when Overwatch League is in season. I I read something the other day that destroyed my soul. That said that Gen Z kids find gifts cringy and don't use them as like reactions anymore. I'm sorry, but TikToks like, are I just, just like, long gifts with sound. I turned into a skeleton and evaporated into dust when I read that sentence. I'm like, I, I am I old. Have, I have an Instagram that I rarely use. If I mean, if that's if that helps, uh, Labs or which. Um, it's just something I have on occasion when I remember to take from when I remember that my phone takes pictures, kids, because I grew up in a time when phones did not take pictures and they were hooked to the wall. Okay. Uh, but most, I'm most active on my Twitter if anybody cares. 
I, I doubt anybody cares unless I cut back. Well, that, I mean, if, if people liked what you had to say. And as usual, I'm Common Writer Furry, KRF, uh, whatever you want to call me. A lot of people, people have been calling me, calling me Common lately, and uh, that's a little bit weird, but I, you know, whatever. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram is almost exclusively Monster High Dolls at this point. Like, I'm very sorry to anybody that followed me and was really interested in, in seeing my point of view. Um, I do post some figures and, and collection bits and stuff on there. My Twitter is where I'm most active, so if you want to get in touch with me personally, that's where you find me. Both of those are at Common Rider Furry, and you can also follow the podcast at, at Ancient Anime Pod on both of those platforms as well. We also have an email if you've got any ideas for a potential episode or if you see online that we're talking about something that you love then you can send us your response as well to ancientanimepod at gmail.com. This has been a really fun episode, and I'm glad for everybody that stopped by and me finally getting to see this piece of anime history that my mom tried to barricade me from because titties exist. Um, <laughs> once again, I'm Kamen Rider Furry, and here with Lori, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Goodbye! Goodbye!